What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the All In Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Eli Cooper, and my guy, the man, the myth, the legend is back, Mike Badzik. <laughs> What's up, Brody? I'm back. Uh, I missed you. I appreciate you holding it down. You had a slew of guests uh, yeah. without me. I missed out. You know, I got Todd was on and Sean and, and Carter was on, a longtime commenter and viewer of the show, made an appearance. So I was happy to see uh, him him show up and talk about his heat. So it was a good show by you guys, uh, but I'm excited to be back. No one can take my chair. Not yet, anyway. Yeah, man. You know, well, since we were missing, you know, our, our go-to guy, I had to, you know, other guys had to step up in your place. You know, it was That's a whole cool. team effort, man. So yeah. you, you lose a star, you need two or three guys to step up. And that's what, yeah. you know, we got for last podcast. Yeah, it um, takes three guys to replace me. So that, that makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we are back uh, to our regularly scheduled programming today. Mm-hmm. Um, we had an exciting weekend of sports. Um, games two and three have since been played since we last spoke and a yeah. uh, full Sunday of NFL games. Uh, before we get into that, if you're tuning into our live right now, make sure uh, you hit that subscribe button. If you're tuning in on YouTube, uh, on Facebook, you can find our YouTube link there as well. Make sure you guys hit that subscribe button. Uh, if you're tuning into the audio version at the end of this show, make sure you leave a like or a rating uh, and also a review of the podcast uh, if you enjoy the show. Um, today, I think we're going to kick off with Game 3. The Heat last night pulled one back behind a stellar performance from Jimmy Butler, uh, mm-hmm. who dropped a 40-point triple-double. First player in NBA Finals history against LeBron James to have more points, rebounds, and assists in a game. That's a wild stat to me. Is yes, that yes. no one has ever in a game has had more points, rebounds, and assists than than LeBron in a in a finals game. And you know, obviously it, it got the heat back into the series, possibly. Yes. Uh pulled it back to two one. What were your thoughts on game three and the heroics of Jimmy Butler? Yeah, Jimmy was awesome. This is like what we talked about last Last time we talked NBA Finals, anyway, me and you, we discussed we'd rather have Jimmy Butler than James Harden. And, like, this was one of the reasons why. Like, Jimmy Butler is the type of guy who can go out there and give you this type of performance, like a gritty, tough performance, and then talk shit to LeBron. And he really (laughs) out-LeBroned LeBron. I mean, we've never seen anybody. You mentioned the stat about the points, rebounds, assists, which says mostly good things about LeBron as far as anybody else. And it's super impressive for Jimmy to do that. But we've never right. actually seen LeBron get outplayed like this in the finals anyway. Yeah. Um, you know, Kevin Durant probably outplayed him in 2017, maybe 2018. That's kind of hard to compare 2018, but LeBron was great. But he didn't try to do a LeBron impersonation and beat him. And Jimmy actually right. did a LeBron impersonation uh, and beat him. and kind of just willed this team that we thought it was over. Um, you know, I listened to the podcast you guys did, and I think you actually correctly maybe maybe – um, you know, at first glance, you think well, that doesn't sound right, but actually, Miami's offense has gotten a lot better without Bam. I don't know if it's going smaller, what they're doing. Um, so credit to you for that, but they actually have gotten a lot better. Um, and and the way that they're spacing the floor, I mean, game two, they just couldn't get any stops. And and this game, I think, you know, and we're gonna look back at this and we're gonna say probably it it was a microcosm, and it wasn't 
a you know more telling thing. Like Anthony Davis was in foul trouble in the first half. He played pretty much the whole second half, but he was in foul trouble. So, you know, he probably played a little bit differently um, as far as defensively, especially. So he probably wasn't quite himself. And he had a terrible game. Uh, pretty much locked up finals MVP for LeBron if, if, if they do win it, which I think they still do. Uh, but last night probably was my favorite game to watch so far. And it was just the gritty performance. And then we got the stank face from Tyler Hero. <laughs> he actually didn't have that good of a game. But yeah. he was he was really good down the stretch, and it yeah. was a really good stank face. Uh, so I I was super impressed by the Heat. I still think you know if 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 the next logical question is okay, well, do the Heat have a chance to actually win this series now? Probably going to say no to that, and probably think that the Lakers wrap it up in five, six, probably would be the max. Uh, but I think that we need to be celebrating Jimmy Butler today. So that's what I want to talk about the most. Yeah, I mean, he was great last night. And it wasn't, you know, just from a scoring standpoint. It was from, obviously, he he had the triple-double, so the rebounding and assists were there. But uh, really, for me, it was also still being Jimmy Butler on the defensive end. A lot of times, like, you ask a player to go get you a triple-double in an NBA Finals game, and there's some kind of drop-off defensively. There wasn't for him in any way, shape, or form. Right. Um, and that's never been the case for him is, is whatever he requires from whatever you require from him offensively is not going to affect him on the defensive end for the most part, um, which is the most impressive thing I think about him. It makes him one of the most unique stars in the game. Like really other than like Kawhi Leonard, who I think you could make the case this year that his defense wasn't that great, but like other than him, who's really in that kind of a category um, and maybe Anthony Davis, but it's a little bit different as a big man, yeah. if you ask me. So, you know, it's uh, it was interesting to see that um, aspect of Jimmy Butler's performance and really just kind of the will, right, that he brought to this game, mm-hmm. um, even with his teammates playing badly for like the first half. Like you said, Tyler Harrell was one for eight to start uh, this game in the first half. Yep. And I think he ended up uh, finishing six for 18, 17 yep. points. So he, he showed up much more in the second half. And like you said, down the stretch, and that was key. Um, for them. Um, but really it was, it was the Jimmy Butler show for, for mm-hmm. the entire game until he finally got that help later on down the stretch, um, which is, which was great. And he, but he was still the go-to guy down the stretch. Um, he was seeking out Caldwell Pope who yep. has been good defensively, but was just too small to guard Jimmy on these switches. And Jimmy was getting to his spot every time and getting whatever shot he wanted. Um, the Lakers are going to have to find a way to make some kind of adjustment or, um, you know, in game four to respond to that, um, because I think the heat kind of found a formula there, yeah. um, that they like is, is, uh, as far as getting Jimmy Butler to his spots, I yeah. think and it's not also- anything. And just to jump in there, like, it's not anything, you know, too deeply, you know, basketball strategy wise, they were kind of right. just doing what LeBron was doing, right? Like exactly. he was, he was being guarded by Iguodala or Jay Crowder and he's seeking out Duncan Robinson or Tyler Harrow, getting the switch and going at them. Well, that's exactly what Jimmy Butler did. He just was, you know, he had LeBron on him and he was seeking out KCP or even Car- Caruso was too small around whoever it was, yeah. you know, to get LeBron off of him. And he was just picking his spots and he was doing a great job at it. Yeah. And, and we also saw kind of like, you know, Spo calls him the anti-analytics superstar, right? Because he he doesn't shoot a ton of threes. And yeah. we saw that again last night. Like, he can Zero. get these 40-point games without shooting any threes. And it's kind of, you know, the point that I think young 
players or just any basketball fan in general needs to see like you don't need to be an elite three-point shooter in order to be a great scorer um i think Giannis should be paying heavy attention to the jimmy butler performance last night you don't need to be able ben simmons you guys don't need to be able to be elite three-point shooters you need to be able to get to your spots and get the shot that you want as consistently as possible. That's what those two struggle at. They don't even have a mid-range game to where if they can't get all the way to the rim, they can't score, period, right? Jimmy Butler doesn't need to get all the way to the rim. If he can get elbow or lower, he can get whatever shot he wants because he's he's got that in-between game. I think that's more important. Um, you know, obviously you have to be a threat from three, but I think that's the most important part of a player's game as far as a score. If you want to be able to take over games late is being able to score in between. Yeah. Because especially where the game's moving, you talk about the analytics favor, the threes and the layups, right? Well, what are teams naturally going to start to take away from you is threes and layups. And that middle ground is where you're going to have to be able to score because that's what teams are going to give you. Jimmy Butler is elite in that area. And that's what we saw last night. From a Heat perspective as a team, I think they kind of found a winning formula as well. Um, and we talked about this on the last episode was who is more important to the Lakers' success, AD or LeBron, or in this series. Well, I think last night proved that it is AD. Because like we said, we know we're going to get out of LeBron, right? LeBron's going to be LeBron regardless. Now, he struggled with turnovers last night, and LeBron has to clean that up. He had eight turnovers. Yeah. Um, But at the end of the day, AD was a non-factor and you can blame that on foul trouble, you know, and, and things kind of in a way, but even without the foul trouble, he was bad. He shot it well from the field, but only shot nine shots because they did a good job of doing this, not necessarily full on doubling him, but they were digging down on him in the post, forcing him to kick it out and then scrambling, you know what I mean? To that point. So it wasn't a full on double where you're turning your back from your defender and, and full on, uh, you know, face doubling. It was kind of, okay, I'm digging down, digging down, getting a hand in there to the point where he's not going to feel comfortable trying to back down whatever smaller defender that's there. He's It's going to force him to kick it out. And then, and then we sprint and we rotate. And it worked perfectly for Miami defensively. They forced AD into five turnovers last night. Yeah. Um, and then they kept him off the glass. I think that was the most important thing um, because they got killed on the glass uh, in the first two games of the series. So uh, the forced turnovers really kind of helped negate how bad they were on the glass because the Lakers really didn't even get the same amount of shots off. They were able to force turnovers, get out and transition and run, which is going to be the key for the Heat in this series because they lack the size. You want to be able to, if you want your guards to win their battles and force turnovers so you don't have to worry about the bigs. And that's what we saw last night. Yeah, and Myers Leonard and Kelly Olynyk probably deserve a lot of credit too today because they played yeah. really well. I think combined they were like 8 of 12 shooting. Obviously, they're not giving you a ton on defense, but uh, certainly gave a huge rebounding boost. And Jimmy Butler after the game, they asked him, you know, kind of what the biggest difference was, and he was like, we rebounded. You know, they, they yeah. still lost the rebounding battle, but they didn't lose it by 100 like they had been doing in games one and two. So, right. But you talk about Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis, like this was a bad game for Anthony Davis. Like LeBron – he, you know, he almost put up a triple double. He had eight turnovers, so really almost put up a quadruple double. Uh, but you know, he, he wasn't he wasn't terrible. AD was pretty bad in this game. We can say, well, he was in foul trouble. We're like, maybe I'm old school, but like I actually think players bear a lot of the responsibility when they're in foul trouble, and we should still uh, discredit. Like we should still say it was a bad game, not just because he was in foul trouble. Like it's kind of your fault 
a lot of the time if you're in foul trouble. A lot of the time. Right. You know, exactly. I'm sure there's exceptions. But like a lot of it is like, okay, well, how do you get in foul trouble? Well, like look at his. Like they were ticky tack fouls where he was a step behind and he, you know, he just was it was almost a product of laziness. But I think that was a that was a microcosm of the entire Laker team last night. Like there was a little bit of flatness to them. The energy wasn't there. Like we know that they're able to do, and we've seen this every series now, one game at least, we've seen this where they just come out flat and they're just not the same team. And we're watching them and we're thinking like, who are these guys? Like this is not yeah. the team that won four straight against Portland or won four straight against Houston or just put the clamps down on Denver. It's not even the f- same team we saw in game one or game two. Like who are these guys? They do this every series. And when we always say now, now we're kind of accustomed to it and we come out and we say, yeah, like this was the one game that they're going to blow. But they've done this before. They're going to win the next two, or they're going to win the next two out of three, and they'll be fine. Now, the problem with that is I don't think they've played a team as good as the Miami Heat. Definitely not, almost, I would say. The Miami Heat are definitely the best team they played. They're definitely the toughest team that they play in terms of they're not going to roll over and die. And, um, right. and a, a bigger bigger you know product of that is Jimmy Butler as the leader of this team is not going to roll over and die and coach Spo is the best coach there so like we can't really compare this to the previous three series where we said yeah they lost this game they came out flat but this is what they do one game they're going to come out and be better and win this series in five or six I think that will be the case I think they will but I don't think it's a given like maybe we thought against Denver or maybe we thought against Houston I think they're really going to have to earn it and because even if you looked at, you know, last night and, and game two, well, like Miami didn't play that much better in game three compared to game two. Jimmy Butler had a better game, of course. But if you look at the, you know, the splits, the field goal threes and free throw percentages, like it was about the same Miami team in game two and game three. It was just a matter of the Lakers energy on offense and creating open looks and making the, you know, extra pass to get the open three. They didn't do that, uh, and that's why they scored, you know, 120 in game two and 104 in, in, in game three. So, like, I think it's on the Lakers to be better, but, like, it's hard to be better. Like, if the Miami Heat are going to score 115 every game, like 114 in game two and 115 in game three, if they can keep that up, well, then, like, this is going to be a good series. It, maybe it still goes five or six, but this is going to be a good series. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and that's why I had it going six. Um, You know, I had, I had the heat taking game two. I was one game away. They obviously, they need a little more time to prepare for not having Bam and and Dragic. Um, But I think they, I think they figured it out. I do. Um, You know, so. Wait, are you still, are you sticking with heat and six or are you saying Lakers and six? I had Lakers and six. I had Lakers and six. I still think it goes six games. Um, I think the Lakers, We'll take game four. Heat will fight back, take game six. I mean, take game five, and I got the Lakers finishing it off in six. Um, But what were your thoughts late of last few seconds of last night's game? LeBron, AD, and I think one other person walking Mm -hmm. off with time still left on the clock. They looked visibly upset that they dropped a game here. Yeah, so they asked LeBron after it. Uh, maybe it was today or last night if it was frustration or if he just knew the game was over. And he said both. Um, you know, I don't really like that. I I think you typically would want to stay on the court. Like, you know, obviously, you know, they're NBA guys. So 
And LeBron is is seventeen year vet. Like he can kind of he he's got a lot of control of what he wants to do. But right. I still think like okay, like the Heat played really well. It's not like you know there was blown calls, or it's not like you should be frustrated. You know you can be frustrated at yourself, but like you also have to kind of have to give it up to the Heat for how good they played. So I think they probably should have showed a little more respect and stayed on the court. I know you have a hotter take than me though. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it at all. I really didn't. Um, I thought it was disrespectful. Mm-hmm. Um, not just to the heat, but to the game in general. Um, and it created just in those last few seconds, like so much unneeded, like confusion. Cause now three guys like Jared Dudley has to take his warm up off. He hasn't taken it off all, <laughs> you know, all right. bubble right. in order to, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because then he has to just step on the court. You know what I mean? That's just so unnecessary when you literally could have just stood there for three seconds um, you know what I mean? And waited till the buzzer sound and then stormed off the court because you're obviously upset that you lost. Sure. And, you know, I don't think it's a huge deal. Like, you know what I mean? I don't want to like act like, oh, LeBron's a classless individual. I'm not going to bash him and say all those kind of things today. But I just think it's I when I watched it, I was like, OK, that's super corny. Sure. You know what I mean? Is is the vibe that I got from that. Um, and you saw other guys kind of follow him. You know what I mean? I don't think that they were going to strictly walk off the court. I think AD wasn't, it didn't look like he was going to. And then he sees LeBron going to the, to the locker room and he walks off. And I'm just like, what kind of example is that? You know what I mean? And it, it kind of reminded me of the Pistons walk off when they finally lost to the bulls. And Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? But now it wasn't, it wasn't nearly as drastic as that. Um, you know, so I don't want to put it in that level, but that's how it felt in the moment. And I'm just like, dude, you couldn't stand there for three seconds. That's the thing that bothered me the most about it, but it's not a huge deal. Um, in my opinion, but I mean, I think at the same time, like, you know, if, if, if the shoe was on the other foot and, you know, LeBron was on the winning team and the other team walked off like that, like, do you think LeBron knowing what we know about, LeBron, the narrative king. Like, do you think he might have had something to say about that where he was like, I didn't like that? Maybe if the shoe was on the other foot, you know, he has a problem with it. Yeah. Now, I'm probably feel less strongly than you do about it, but I think it is it is just a disrespectful thing to to walk up to a court like that. You'd expect more from LeBron and Rondo and Anthony Davis. Yeah. So uh, that is our recap for the game four of the NBA finals. Um, heading into game five, we'll do a quick prediction before we move on. Who you got game five, Lakers, Heat? Well, game four, I have. Oh, my bad, game four. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I'll just, I'll just do this and I'll do this and I have Lakers in game four and Lakers in game five. I picked Lakers in five Bob, before gotcha. the series started. And I'm going to stick with that. I do think that this is the game they drop. And, and while I think every game, like I said before the series, I said every game was going to be close in some capacity. Now, that was before Dragic and Bam went out. Um, and, and, you know, obviously game two wasn't that close. Neither was game one, but game three was a pretty good game. So I'm going to go Lakers in five still. So I got Lakers in four and Lakers in game five as well. Gotcha. All right. So we're going to move on to a segment we recently introduced called All In or All Out. Uh, so we're going to go through a list mm-hmm. of different headlines here. Uh, from NBA, and then we're going to use that to transition to NFL here. Yep. Um, and we're going to start with something you didn't get a chance to talk about last episode. We did, yep. um, which was the hiring of Doc Rivers by the Philadelphia Sixers. Are you all in or all out on this decision? 
<sighs> well, it depends who's on the roster. I think, you know, if if, if we're going to do this again with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, I'm going to say I'm all out. And, and, you know, I think me being all in would be they can win a championship with Doc Rivers. I'm all out on that. Uh, I think that this is still a second-round exit for these guys. And as much as we love Doc Rivers, he's kind of known for second-round exits for the most part. And also, Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons are known for second-round exits. So I would not be surprised if we still can't see them get over the hump. Now, you know, I think that Doc Rivers has a certain ability to talk to guys, to connect with younger players. And I'm not sure. I mean, probably the over-under would be 30 minutes after he got hired. He called Joel Embiid and said, hey, man, you need to lose weight. Uh, so, so that might be a reason to be all in because he can come in that kind of respect. Right. You know, do I think that Ben Simmons is going to suddenly discover a jump shot? No, he's never going to have the jump shot. It's never coming. We're going we can wait every year and watch him in the preseason every year. It's never coming. We need to adjust to the reality of uh, of him never having that. Uh, now, if he gets Joel Embiid in shape, you know, the roster is still a huge problem though. The roster yeah. is still tore apart with the salary cap situation with the Tobias and Al Horford contracts. They kind of really screwed themselves for the next couple of years here. So I'm not yeah. sure what kind of wiggle room they have or what kind of move they can make that can fix that situation. Uh, yeah. Do I think he's a better coach than Brett Brown? Absolutely. Of course, I, I do think he's a better coach than Brett Brown. And I think the ceiling is definitely higher. So I think it's a, it's, it's a great, it's a great hire uh, considering what's on the market and considering who was there. So uh, do I think they can win a championship? Now I'm going to say, oh, Sean, I love that. Uh, That's very nice of you. Sean just commented and said, I have the best take. So I'm going to say that there's still not a championship contender. Uh, so, so from that perspective, I'd be all out. Yeah. So I was lukewarm about it on the, uh, on the last episode in this case. And I thought about it and you know what? I'm all in. Oh, I'm boy. all in on doc rivers and here's why. Um, so there's from a championship perspective, Probably not, but mm-hmm. from fixing this roster, yes. I think Doc Rivers okay. has proven that he's actually pretty good at developing good rosters. It's part of the reason we're so surprised when his teams flop is because they usually have good rosters, right? Sure. Um, so I think you know he's going to have some influence here in in discussing with Elton Brand about how they want to restructure or, or rebuild this team. Um, and... You know, I think he's pretty good at that. Um, I think his name alone attracts free agents. You know, I don't think like the the perspective we have on him as far as like blowing leads and and maybe not being a top seven coach. I don't think that is felt around the NBA amongst the players. I I still think they have an, yeah the utmost respect for him. Um, I just watched JJ Redick on all the Smoke podcasts talk about it. And he was shocked. Like people in the NBA were not expecting this. We kind of saw it coming um, we because we had started, we started raising those questions, but I don't think NBA players are quite there yet. Um, so from a recruitment standpoint, I think he's huge for Philly. Um, and I also, um, I think he brings a, a different set of leadership. Like we mentioned, um, you know, and and obviously he he demands a different level of respect than Brett Brown ever will in this league. You know what I mean? Because he yeah. has just that one title alone puts you in a different stratosphere as a coach because there's not many coaches that have that 
at the end of the day. Um, so if there's anyone who can maximize, you know, Embiid and Simmons, uh, of all the coaches that were available, Doc Rivers was the guy, in Absolutely. my opinion, that could that, um, you know, he was the best coach available. The Sixers went out and got him. Um, so I'm all in on the hire. I think this was as good as it could possibly get for the Sixers unless there was some, you know, co- yeah. unproven coach like a, a Nick Nurse that was out there that we don't know about. Um, I think Doc Rivers was the right guy. And the fact I'm all in for the most part because hiring Doc Rivers meant that we didn't get stuck with Mike D'Antoni. That's I like what that for you guys. I was, that's what I was all in for. So, And and just, just quickly on Doc, last thing is, you know, I, I think you could actually make a case that he's probably better than what we've even been giving him credit for. Just from perspective, yes, he does uh, command the respect, especially probably with these younger guys who, you know, they've been under Brett Brown. You know, I think they're going to respect anybody a lot more than Brett Brown. No offense, but he just didn't command a room like that. Maybe it was the accent. Maybe it was the fact he didn't know what he was doing. Um, but, but you know, you look at the guys that Doc had when we talk about them choking and them losing these players. Well, like, you know, and I know Sean's watching and he's going to hate this, but, like, Chris Paul never gets out of the second round. So, like, he had Chris Paul and couldn't get out of the second round. Like, okay, no surprise there. Like, he had Paul George this year. Paul George is one of the worst uh, playoff performers we've ever seen. So, like, he, you know, yeah. he totally shit the bed. Like, is that Doc Rivers' fault that he didn't show up at all in the playoffs? Like, maybe it's not. Maybe it is. Maybe we give him some blame because he is the head coach. And at some point, we have to start pointing to something that he's doing and saying, this isn't working. Uh, but but maybe, you know, change of scenery, we, we give him a, a good chance with a young roster. And, hey, you know what? He can maybe do some things for you guys. Yeah. So, and, and also I think, um, I think it might be easier to move Horford's contract than Mm. I thought. Um, A lot of teams will take, a lot of teams that are like rebuilding will take a bad contract. Um, But a team that's not rebuilding that might want to take a longer look at Horford is Clippers. Um, Their five positions cannot play any type of defense. Horford can, um, and would still fit their kind of, you know, style that they want to switch and everything like that. Horford's good at switching on guard still. That's still a strength of his. Um, and I don't, he's not nearly as bad as he played in Philly. He was just playing out of position. Like he's a natural, right. he's a five in today's NBA, not a four. So, you know, I think teams, maybe if there's a team out there that's contending that will say, well, you know, we can get more out of Horford. And really in the Clippers situation, I don't know how the contracts work out. But maybe if I were them, maybe you give up a little will because the Sixers wow. need some perimeter scoring. Uh, um, yeah. But, you know, like what what do you give up, Lou Will? Lou Will kind of sucks, let's be honest. I mean, he like in the playoffs, like he's really bad all the time. Like <laughs> him and Jamal, like him and Jamal Crawford, we love him and Jamal Crawford because they right. make a great mixtape. But like they're actually not that good. And we saw it this year. Like Lou Will was pretty terrible. Now, I think a team – uh, who could use an Al Horford type deal and has a contract to match might be the Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah. Depending on the coach that comes in, maybe there's a Horford Russ type of flop, um, and and maybe that works out for both sides. So you know what? I, maybe it is movable. I think a lot of teams have a guy who's in a bad contract situation. You might be able to make something work. Yeah. All right. So let's move on to our next topic for all in, all out. And this one was actually reported a couple of weeks ago, but we're just now getting it to it today. Um, The T-Wolves were reportedly interested in LaMelo at the number one pick and taking a strong look at him. So I guess my question is, are you all in or all out with LaMelo being the number one pick one 
and two, LaMelo and D'Angelo Russell backcourt. Are you all in or all out? <laughs> I am uh, all out on both of those things. Very, <laughs> probably one more than the other, I guess. You know, right. hey, listen, with the LaMelo ball thing, and, and, and we talked about this on our mock draft, and we'll be talking about it soon, like, it just wasn't very good in Australia. Like, he went there, and we were expecting a lot, but, like, if we actually watched some of these games, like, it was kind of bad to watch, like, almost insufferable to watch at times. And, again, another guy who makes a great mixtape on Twitter, uh, but he's actually not that good. The shooting form makes no sense, um, and, and he also came out and said a couple of weeks ago that he – has no plans on changing the shooting form. Like, that is a problem. Like, he shoots from here um, yeah. with two hands. Like, he's not going to be able to get that shot off consistently at the NBA level. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't have a quick enough release or a quick enough first step to want to shoot that way. Uh, so, I, I don't like LaMelo Ball. I think the attitude is not one I'd want on a team. The shoot-first type point guard that we've talked about plenty of times. Now, I'm always, most of the time, I'm, I'm always going to be all out on that. Um you know, see Trey Young in Atlanta, like, it looks cool sometimes. It doesn't work most of the time. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, I don't think I'd be taking LaMelo Ball at one. I don't know where I'd be taking LaMelo Ball. Now, when we did our mock draft, I don't know if you remember, when we did our mock draft, we had LaMelo going to the T-Wolves. Uh, but when yeah. we did, that, that, was the, that was before the lottery was actually done, and they, we had them at the sixth Six. pick, yeah. I think. We had them at the sixth pick, and we had them taking LaMelo there. By default, uh, really. I, by by default, really, because he had fallen, and we're like, someone is going to take him, right? Uh, in the top seven, so so, you know, and, and the next question is, does he fit with D'Angelo Russell? No, he doesn't fit with <laughs> D'Angelo Russell. And you know why he doesn't fit with D'Angelo Russell? Because he wouldn't fit with any guard. Because no one is going to say, yeah, you take the ball all the time, and yeah. you're not that good. And you know what? D'Angelo Russell kind of has a similar problem. Uh, and and you know, Jimmy Butler who we have been talking about so much these past couple of weeks, you know, he called this T-Wolves culture out when he was there with Carl Anthony Towns. Yeah. They're losers. D'Angelo Russell, he's a loser. Like, I don't <laughs> want – and if I'm the middle ball, I don't know if I want to go to Minnesota, right? Like, we talk about this culture, right? Like, we talk yeah. about Philly. Like, how many times have we talked about Philly? And, and I've and I brought this up before. It's like, when you always lose, you become a loser. And, and losers – lose losing breeds losing just like winning breeds winning yeah. uh and, and d'angelo russell has become a carl anthony towns has become a loser i think they're good players i think you know they might be making all-star teams on 30 win teams though i don't yeah. know if i want those guys on my squad and i definitely don't want d'angelo russell and Lamelo ball on the same team i think that's just a problem waiting to happen as far as usage rates you can only have the ball so many times in your hands uh, i'm out on both of them yeah i i'm also way out on LaMelo Ball at the T-Wolves in this situation. I think you're asking for a nightmare if you want to pair these two in the backcourt because neither of them are good defenders um, or really even just not not just good defenders, but like willing defenders. Like they don't even want to compete on the defensive end. Um, And it's not like Carl Anthony Towns is some kind of elite rim protector. Um, So, you know, that's not the kind of culture that I think I would want if I'm the T wolves, no. um, you know, to start off with, I think, I think LaMelo's talented. Um, you're obviously not a fan. I'm not a fan of the shoot first point guard. I think he's yes. become a, I think he's become a much better playmaker, um, than he was, you know, earlier on in his high school days. Um, he's, as he's grown, his game has grown. 
mm-hmm. to to become a better facilitator. But he's still someone who really needs to have the ball in his hands a lot. He hasn't shown that he can play without it really that much as far as the right. last few years. He's been someone and he hasn't had to. Right, exactly. So we don't you know, and D'Angelo Russell's not a guy who really wants to play without the basketball either. Like he can, mm-hmm. but he would rather have the ball in his hands and be in high pick and roll, pick and pop situations. So right. like you have two guys doing that for an entire game. That just doesn't seem um that doesn't seem like a good fit to me. And I know that, you know, the NBA is kind of moving in that direction where we just have like two guys run a bunch of high pick and rolls, but like, who's that really working out for? Like the two teams that are in the finals right now, don't play basketball like that. Um, the, right. the Celtics really don't play basketball like that. Uh, who was in the, I mean, even the nuggets aren't necessarily like when they need to go to it, they'll run their Jokic and Murray, like high pick and rolls, but like they get movement, you know what I mean? For the most part throughout the game um, before that, I mean, most of the time Jokic is bringing the ball up. So, yeah. You know, it's it's certainly not one person dominating the ball in the Nuggets offense. So, like, you look at the final four teams that made it to the conference finals. None of them play like that. And I'm just trying to figure out why NBA teams want to structure their teams like this to have guards that don't play any defense but want to shoot the ball all the time. That is counterproductive. Sell tickets, sell jerseys. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know what? Cool That's exactly what it is. That's exactly <laughs> what it is. Because Minnesota is like, are, realistically, are they ever going to develop a championship team there? Maybe not, right? But if, can they can they put butts in the stands with LaMelo Ball? Absolutely. That's box sure. office. LaMelo, D'Angelo Russell, right? And 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 Carl uh, Anthony Towns, their TV ratings would be so much better because everybody would want to see that dynamic work and those shoot at high shootout scoring games that they'd obviously be in, but like they would be bad. So from a team structure standpoint, I'm all out on that. Um, His dad also mentioned that he doesn't think he'd be a good fit in golden state. He's a hundred percent right about that. I don't know that I've ever agreed with LeVar ball more on a statement that he's made. Um, LaMelo disagrees, but I think that's LaMelo trying to save his draft stock. (laughs) No, he's an awful fit for golden state. The only place I really like for him, and I say like, not love, would be Charlotte. And that's because Charlotte is really in a in a standpoint where I like, I like Devontae Graham, but I don't love him. And yeah. Terry Rozier is a sixth man, if we're being 100% honest. So yeah. this is where this is probably the one team where you're like, okay, we can give LaMelo Ball the keys and really not lose anything, right? Wait, we're in the business right now. Our team is so bad. We're in the business of just getting talent, you know, in general. And that's what LaMelo Ball is at the end of the day. He is a one of the top three most talented players here. Um, right. And especially at that third pick, if the draft goes how I think it will go, which is Edwards, Wiseman, and then LaMelo, like he would be the obvious choice there for me, as especially for a team that's trying to get as much talent as possible. And then – you know, you kind of figure it out, whatever you want to do with, with Terry Rozier. I think you could still play Graham with him, but it yeah. doesn't look, it's not great. You're not, but I don't think the Hornets are expecting to put uh, for this team to be playoff ready next year anyway. So you're yeah. just kind of, you're just getting LaMelo and saying, all right, we have our piece. Let's build a team around LaMelo um, because we think he's the guy. That's the only situation that I really see that he fits in. Yeah, but I mean, I think Charlotte, you know, at least to some degree, like, here's the thing, like, I, I agree with you. Like, I think the places that make the most sense for LaMelo are just talent barren places where you can just say, like, all right, like, fuck it, or excuse me, like, screw it. Like, we'll just give, we'll just give this guy the keys. Like, right. I think 
I think Detroit makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you could yeah. you could say let's center around him and he can play with Blake for a couple of years and New York. see how he can grow. Like New York might make sense. Like actually, I think Charlotte might look at it and say like we actually had an okay season last year. You know, considering where people thought we were going to be. I mean, I think most people had them projected as the worst team in the league coming into uh, last season. I know they have the third pick, but they were actually better. They fell on the lottery. Like they actually had a pretty yeah. okay season considering where they were, they might look at it and say like, yeah, like we are okay with where we are. Like, let's, let's go. I like, I like Oneka and Kongwe out of USC. I think he would be a great pick for them uh, just to add to Devonte Graham. If they think Devonte Graham is like this guy, like if they think Devonte Graham is a true, like this is the guard we're building around. Yeah, I could see it. Like, and, and listen, like LaMelo ball, you're hundred percent right. Like as far as talent, he's top three in the draft this year. Um, He's certainly the most intriguing, number one most intriguing. You know, he'll have the most eyes on him. Uh, but I just don't like that style. I just don't like, yeah. you know, giving the keys to this guy. And, like, in Australia, like, it it wasn't that good. It was, you know, 15 minutes a game of jacking threes. Like, I'm surprised he didn't get punched by some of his older teammates. Like, if I was <laughs> on a team and they brought in the mellow ball and I had to watch him dribble and shoot uh, terrible yeah. threes for, for 20 minutes a game, like, I probably would have been pretty mad. So, uh, yeah, you know, he is super talented, though, and we'll definitely be intrigued wherever he goes. Yeah, that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, so let's move into a little bit of football talk here for our okay. all-in, all-out segment. Tampa Bay, Ooh. after a bad week one, is now 3-1, and one, yeah. and Tom Brady threw five touchdowns. Six if you want to count the pick six that he threw. Um, but he threw five touchdowns to his teammates um, on Sunday. And the Bucks are sitting at three and one. Um, yeah. Are you all in or all out on Tampa Bay? I guess I'm all in. I get, like, I wasn't, but I guess I am. And you look at the division. I don't think the Saints are that good right now. Right? So yeah. if, we're, if we're looking at it from that perspective, it looks like they're going to win that division. I'm sure they – you know, this this is the long season, and they're gonna have a couple. They're gonna have a matchup down here, uh, down the road that will probably decide that division. But they're definitely a playoff team, and the defense has looked really good. Um, you know, Justin Herbert kind of was dealing a little bit there. Like, how about him going out like there him. against that against that defense? I like him too. Like, it's hard to make judgments on guys, but he just you know sometimes you can just look at a rookie and be like, he looks like he could play quarterback in the NFL. Right? Right, like Joe yeah. Burrow, like Joe Burrow, you can kind of watch him and be like, he looks like he could play quarterback here you know what i mean yeah uh so but but herbert looks like that but tampa bay like i don't know what's not to like right now like is is brady gonna hold up with the arm like there's still some throws where i watch it and i'm like that doesn't look like a tom brady throw and then there's some throws there was a couple of them maybe four or five or six in this game where you're thinking like wow that's not expected from a 43 year old quarterback like how is he doing that uh, he had a couple of dimes. So if he can keep that up, I mean, if they're, if they're going to go out here with that defense, right, and even if, you know, most of the time I think that defense is going to play really well because I think that they're super talented. And, you know, in the in the off cases where the defense gives up 31 points like they did today, or I'm sorry, yesterday to the Chargers, the mm-hmm. offense still goes out and scores 38. That is a tough team to be. Uh, I don't, like, you know, but if you look at the NFC right now, if we go through these teams in the NFC who we thought were going to be these Super Bowl contenders, the Saints don't look like they quite have it. They certainly aren't convincing anyway. Uh, the, the 49ers are, are just have so many injuries right now. I think 40% of their salary cap is on IR this season. Uh, so you, it's hard to think that they're going to be in it. 
Um, NFC East, we won't even consider any of them contenders. And then you have the Seahawks, who are probably the other one that we're thinking are, and the Packers. So it's really the Seahawks and the Packers are the two. And then the Tampa will be the third one that we're saying these are the top three teams of the NFC. So from that perspective, yeah, I guess I'm all in. Yeah, I, I'm all in too. Um, they look, they do look really good. It looks like Tom Brady is, you know, getting a grip on this offense, um, which I am convinced at this point, I think we can book that uh, Bruce Aaron's offense is just developed for at least one interception a game. Yes. Um, I think it's just, na- I, I don't, I don't care who's back there. It's going to, it's an offense designed for throwing picks, but if it results in five touchdown games, um, I think you live with it. The running game looks a lot better um, regardless of who's back there. Um, and uh, whether it's Rojo or Leonard Fournette, uh, they've both had very good games uh, mm-hmm. in that backfield. So they've got the running game. Um, you know, Tom doesn't look like old Tom, and and obviously he he never will. He's you know what forty one. So, but if he's good and if he's yeah if he's you know enough to he's good enough to not hold this team back. Um, and I believe they did not have Godwin this weekend. No. Uh, yeah, he was out this weekend too, and they still put up. Um, that kind of, you know, he still put up that kind of a performance. So you can really only imagine what their offense looks like with Godwin on the field Um, against a pretty solid charger secondary. Um, That Mm -hmm. was not, it's not a a secondary to sneeze at by any means. Um, But yeah, you know, they're and Tampa Bay's defense, um, excuse me, Tampa Bay's defense uh, looks really good. Uh, They're, they're very good at stopping the run. Yep. Um, especially uh, a Chargers team that runs the ball well for the most part. Um, they they shut them down completely, um, and they have a pretty solid secondary. So uh, certainly have them winning the division. I'm all in on that. Um, and with the NFC really not looking as tough as it was coming into the year, mm-hmm. they could they could absolutely make some noise. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I, like I said, the NFC teams, like no one has been – overly convincing even the Seahawks I mean you look at them and it's you know not super convincing this week against Miami so I think no one is running out ahead of the pack and and, you know Tampa's right there yeah absolutely so last one that we'll do for this segment Bills making the AFC (laughs) (laughs) I'm out I'm out I'm out oh man well that's the quickest decision we've had on this segment (laughs) And I didn't even know this one was coming either. I didn't know that I wasn't prepped for this one. I didn't know this was coming. I'm out. Listen, I like this team. I like the steps that Josh Allen has taken. He he's, seems to be a very serviceable quarterback in the NFL. And I think that he is. We're gonna look at this guy's career, and we're gonna say like, yeah, man, like, you know, if if you have a really good defense and a good running game, like you get Josh Allen, like you can win 10, 11 games year in and year out like that's him but like i think that's pretty much the ceiling right like he's not gonna make these big throws he's a gunslinger he'll attempt these big throws uh i think 50 percent of the time he'll probably overthrow him by 10 to 15 yards still and we don't know what the big game is gonna look like for him still you know you know they beat the rams last week albeit they shouldn't have beat the rams they got a gift with a pass interference and they really should have blown that game, and it should have been a loss. But it wasn't, and you can't say anything. He led them down there, put them in position to beat them. You know, week two, they beat Miami and the Jets. I don't care about those games. You know, yeah. this week, they beat the Raiders. He looked pretty good in a game that was close for most of it. You know, he he took control there in the fourth quarter, and he is probably fifth, maybe fourth, in this MVP race so far in the season. It's only four weeks in. But, like, are they going to make the AFC championship game? 
No, because when they play a real defense in the AFC playoffs, and we'll see it too. We'll see it in a couple weeks. When they play the Patriots, I'm sure that he's not going to look this way. He's not going to be this Josh Allen gunslinging around. Like, he is fooling us right now. Okay, there are certain guys who can beat up on bad teams and they can beat up on bad defenses. But when you have some, when you have a team with great personnel and a really good coaching and a really good scheme, they just aren't that quarterback in real life. And I can name a couple of them. Josh Allen is one of them. Yeah. Lamar Jackson is another one of them. Baker Mayfield is another one of these guys who, you know, they put up 49 points. He only had like 170 yards, but they put up 49 points, but against good teams who can blitz, he just can't do that kind of a stuff. So, so as far as the Bills making the AFC Championship game, here are the teams I think are better than them in the AFC. The Chiefs, the Steelers, the Titans, and I think the Ravens are still better, and I think the Patriots are better. So I, I they're not AFC Championship for me. Okay. Well, that's a good transition into out of the all-in, all-out segment and into our AFC rankings. Okay. Um, so, Wait, are you in on them? I'm out on the Bills being okay. in the AFC Championship. No, I'm out. I'm out. I just wanted to throw you a curveball uh, for you. this episode, like you always do to me. So, <laughs> thank you for that. <laughs> um, so let's let's uh, since you named those teams, um, yeah. let's four weeks in, quarter of the season done. Um, AFC rankings are are is that your list in order of no. those AFC teams? Okay, give me your list in order. Okay, so obviously the Chiefs are number one, right? Like Chiefs, I think, are number one in the NFL, and, and we saw them last week. What they did to the Ravens was just dirty. And they have just have a different gear that I think yeah. any team in the AFC, you're going to have to catch them on a bad night and have a great game plan to beat those guys. Uh, so my AFC rankings would probably go – and this is not – you know, I'm not doing this saying this is how the regular season standings are going to finish. I'm not projecting out what the final seeds are going to be in the AFC. I'm just saying like – this is the teams I think can win the AFC in order. So I probably would go Chiefs, Steelers, Patriots, Titans, Bills, Ravens. That would be my top six in order. Fair. Okay. So I think it's obvious that the Chiefs are number one after what they did to the Ravens on Monday night. Yes. Um, so certainly have the Chiefs at one, and they have the best player in the league in Patrick Mahomes. Um, number two, I'm sticking with the Ravens. I do think, even though they have not been super impressive the last couple of games, um, I, I'm still sticking with the Ravens with my second pick. I think at the end of the day, they have a, a winning formula with the way they defend. Uh, they're going to have to get their running game going a little bit more. I think they need to figure out that backfield a little bit um, in order to kind of get their running game back to where it was last year. Um, but again, if you, when you have Lamar Jackson, that makes your running game 10 times better. Um, right. And, you know, I again, we still need to see Lamar Jackson be able to make like elite throws outside the numbers, yeah. um, you know, but for, and that's really why I have them at second is because I don't think he's proven that yet. And I haven't seen it much through these first four games. Um, but I think we do see Lamar hitting a new gear coming up soon. In third, I do have the Steelers. Um, I think the Steelers, nice. you know, granted, we didn't get to see them this week because of the COVID situation. Um, but I do think they are the third best team. They have the best defense in the AFC, but at least probably the league, if you ask me. Um, so I, I am going to have the Steelers there in third. I am going to go with Buffalo in fourth, though. Um, okay. 
I, I love their defense. Um, Josh Allen looks really good. I think Stefan Diggs has been a huge difference maker. Um, I think they have the right weapons around him. And you have, you know, two deep threats in Brown and, and Diggs, and then uh, Cole Beasley in the slot. Um, they have two good running backs. Zach Moss, when he returns, um, gives them a dynamic one-two punch uh, in their backfield. So I got the Bills in fourth. And then um, I do have Tennessee in fifth. Um, and then Cleveland in sixth. I think oh, Cleveland's looked. Cleveland. I, think, I think Cleveland's looked really good. Um, you know, despite uh, right. Baker Mayfield's best attempts to sabotage the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have Indianapolis in seventh. I like Indianapolis. I like Indy. They they look good so far. So that's going to be my top seven for so no the pages. AFC. <sighs> not yet, and the only reason why is because I'm not sure. I'm not 100% sold on their passing game yet. Um, I think they're very heavily reliant on Julian Edelman. They showed some yeah. and they showed some flaws to me in that Raiders game um, that they last played. So I do have the Patriots on the outside looking in right now. And and you know, I have the Ravens pretty far down. And and listen, like I just you have to do it once in the playoffs to get the kind of respect for me anyway, it's like, you know, they kind of feel like a good, bad team, you know, or maybe they're not even a good, bad team, but they're a, they're a great, good team where yeah, yeah. They play when they play bad teams, they're fantastic. Like we knew, like, was there any doubt that they were going to kick the crap out of the Redskins or I'm sorry, not the Redskins, the Washington football team uh, this weekend? Like, of course they were going to beat the crap out of them because yeah. they beat up on teams who aren't as good as them. But like when they play, better teams. And we even saw this last year, like when they played the Steelers last year in the regular season, like they should have lost the first time around. Uh, and, and the Steelers had a really good game plan for Lamar Jackson. I mean, there was a juju fumble and it caused overtime and then uh, a, a roughing the passer penalty. And, you know, they lost and they, and the Ravens won the game, you know, they beat Mason Rudolph at, in overtime in Pittsburgh. So like, yeah. if I'm looking at that and I'm saying like, do I think that they're better than the Steelers? Well, like, I don't know. You get Big Ben in there. I think the Steelers are a lot, lot better. And and we kind of have this thing with Lamar Jackson where we're like, I think he's going to take a leap, right? I think he's going to develop the passing skills needed. But, like, you know, when they go down early, they can't come back. It's, yeah. you know, it's like every time. Like, if they go down early, they can't come back, especially against a good team. Like, do I think that? You know, he is a bad quarterback. Of course not. He was the MVP, and he deserved the MVP last year going away. Uh, but you have to, he has to show me something against a good team. He has to show the ability to throw the ball down the field and come back in a game before I'm just going to write them in to the AFC Championship game or at least even write them into winning a playoff game. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing for them is, um, you know, what? how good are they when they can't control the tempo of a game? Uh, yeah. So we'll see how that plays out. Those are our AFC rankings for now. Um, let's move on to the other birds, my yeah. birds, uh, the Eagles, getting their first win of the season uh, against the Niners on Sunday Night Football, um, 25-20. And that one win alone uh, puts us first in the division. So I guess the tie against the Bengals doesn't look as bad now as that's the one thing that's holding us atop this division. Yeah. Um, 
how bad is the NFC East? Like on, give me a yeah. comparison on, uh, give me a comparison on how bad the NFC East is. Well, I think it's worse than it was last year. If that's the comparison, I mean, I mean, I was thinking about this today, like six, nine and one could legitimately win that division Yeah, uh, with how bad these teams are. I mean, obviously Washington and the Giants are going to lose a lot of games. Uh, the Cowboys are exciting. They're almost must see TV nowadays because of the offense, but like, one of the three worst defenses in the NFL, probably. Uh, and then you have the Eagles, who I think the Eagles are probably the best team still. We both picked them to win this division. Uh, that looked pretty shaky for a couple of weeks, but here they are in first place at 1-2-1. One, and one. and I think we look at this and, and we kind of say, like, Wentz is better than what we're giving him credit for, even. I mean, you know, he had a couple of bad games, but, like, I think I'd still, I think I still want Carson Wentz as my quarterback. And, you know, they do the Jalen Hurts thing. I think they could probably put that to bed now. I yeah. think you know uh, they can stop flirting with the idea of having him out there, uh, yeah. and those plays don't work that well anyway. Uh, Never but Wentz, have. You know, but but Wentz deserves a lot of credit actually. You know, for the way that he battled and and how he came back. Like, you know, this is a this was a San Francisco team who they're dealing with a ton of injuries, starting their backup quarterback, but like mm-hmm. they also won thirty six to nine last week with those same players. So I don't think yeah. that, you know, the players don't really make the team in San Francisco so much as the system does. And, yeah. you know, they couldn't stop uh, Carson Wentz from winning the game. So I think he deserves a lot of credit. I think the Eagles, I think Peterson deserves credit right now for being in first place. Yes, they're 1-2-1. One, and one, uh, yeah. But, you know, it doesn't really matter what the record is. If they're the four seed, they're hosting a playoff game. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I think, you know, the NFC East is obviously terrible. But you just got to get in. You know, you yeah. get into the dance, anything can happen. So yeah. I, I, I'm feeling good about the Eagles right now. It was a good night. For me, my wife was a lot happier that the <laughs> Eagles won. Finally, they won. Uh, so it was a good Sunday for me. But you know what? I, I think that they are the best team in the NFC East. Yeah, which uh, doesn't make me feel any better. No. no. <laughs> um, you know, but, uh, you know, I'll take another playoff uh, appearance, even if yeah. it's in a 7-8-1 and one season, whatever, you know. Um, I love seeing the Cowboys struggle, so that's always a plus. And on any Sunday where the Cowboys lose and the Eagles win, that's a great Sunday. Um, but yeah, man, the, the NFC East is bad. It's really it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like Doc Rivers with a three-one lead, bad. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, it ain't that bad. It's it's like as <laughs> as as bad as the Republican Party's integrity. Oh man! Uh, oh man! Oh <laughs> <you> know, man! <laughs> I mean, what else? Like Shaq at the foul line. Like it's, Shaq at it's the foul that, line. Have a good one. It's yeah. that. It's that bad. Um, you sure. know, so which we expected from the Giants and the Redskins, um, but the fact that the Cowboys consistently put up close to forty points and can't get a win makes no sense to me. Um, and it kind of, as great as CD lamb looked this week against the Browns, it kind of makes that draft pick look dumb because like, that wasn't the issue, right? Like you have holes in that defense. Clearly the Browns put up 40 on you and don't get me wrong. 49. They almost put up 50 burger. Come on. Like, come on a struggling Browns offense. Um, you know, and granted they can run the football. Uh, but normally running teams don't put up 49 points uh, right. to the point where Jarvis Landry threw for a touchdown. Uh, Chubb got oh, hurt. Yes. And then Chubb got hurt and you still gave up a 50 plus yard run at the end. The OBJ. So it's just mm-hmm. like uh, that, that defense is atrocious. And they, obviously they didn't address it in the off season. Um, and that's why they're sitting at one and three right now. 
Um, Dak Prescott can throw for all the yards he wants. He's on record to throw for like a million this year uh, or on pace to throw for like a million this year. And it's not really going to amount to anything. And this is typical, um, you know, Cowboys type of football, I guess. Right. While the so Eagles does, are out grinding ugly wins. <laughs> so so does, does Jerry Jones and Steven Jones tear apart the defense on purpose so that they go uh, six and ten, and despite Dak's great stats, they say, "Oh well, we can't pay because you went six and ten. Like- <laughs> yeah, maybe that was their evil, evil plan this entire time. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's crazy that he's having this incredible year throwing the ball, and it's probably not going to get him paid because it doesn't translate into wins. Strange, but you know, it is what it is. So I, I do think the Eagles are going to win the division. I don't have. And I feel pretty confident saying that, even though they're pretty bad. Um, not really pretty bad. They're they're very bad. Um, and again, we're back in the situation we were in last year, where Carson's throwing to practice squad players and and Greg Ward. Um, you know, so maybe yeah. you know we get healthy a little bit. Maybe you know at least Deshaun Jackson or Alshon come back soon, um, and they'll look a little bit better. But like, it's uh, it's tough to watch. It really is. It but is the tough def- to watch. The D's holding up. The defense is holding up, so that's good. So, uh, you know, they play the Steelers next week, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but one, three, and one is still atop the division. So, oh, you think they're going to lose to the Steelers? Yeah, that's that's a loss. Oh, man. I was hoping we could do a little wager on that. Okay. We We could maybe point spread bet it. Oh my God! Whatever the points. We we definitely can't do money line. We can't money line bet that one. Point spread. The point spread is seven. I'll take. I will take the point. I'll take the Eagles uh, plus seven. I don't know. I think I like. I think I like Eagles seven too. They, the Steelers don't. They just don't beat up on teams. But but um, I do think Steelers are win too. All right. Well, we'll we'll set up some kind of wager. Yeah. Like one go. of us. One of us has to uh, gets to send the tweet of the other's choice. Any. I get to type Ooh. out a tweet. You have to. And you have to hit send. <laughs> okay. Deal. Okay. Deal. I, I'll take. I'll take Steelers. Okay. Give me. Give me. Give me. Give me four. Then I'll give you four points. All right, I'll take the four. I'll take the four. I'll take the four. I like that. I like that. (laughs) All right, so let's close out today's show with some breaking news that we actually got beforehand. Uh, Was that Bill O'Brien fired after an 0-4 start with the Houston Texans. Um, And granted, they had a very tough schedule to start in those first three games. I thought yesterday was a winnable game for them. Um, But as we talked about earlier, Losing mindsets set in quickly, um, and we've seen that. And after the offseason that the Texans just had, um, where they not only traded DeAndre Hopkins, but a lot came out about Bill O'Brien and Hopkins' relationship and you know his relationship with players, things like that. An 0-4 start was the last thing he needed, and he gets the boot. Safe to say this is justified, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, if nothing else – he should have been fired from the GM spot a long time ago. And we've yep. seen this before, right? We saw this with Doc Rivers, actually. It's funny. We were just talking about Doc Rivers and him getting fired. Like, he was the GM slash head coach of the Clippers uh, when yep. Steve Ballmer first bought the team. And, like, even he was in over his head doing that. Like, those are two really hard jobs. Like, no, yeah. one, should have, no one should have both of those jobs. Even look at the Spurs since Popovich has been uh, GM slash coach. Like, that doesn't really work that well in any sport uh, for anybody. Yeah. So to think Bill O'Brien was going to be able to do this GM slash head coach thing really was unrealistic. 
and 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 we kind of call this i remember saying anyway like this is probably going to be the year that these bad moves catch up with him yeah uh, because it was just one after another and then and then now it's not even looking at this season that they're 0 and 4 projecting out for the next few seasons like he kind of screwed them for the next few years i agree but, I saw today Miami has their first and second round picks next year, which is not good for an 0-4 team. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's early, and they could probably turn that around and make that a mid-round mid pick, yeah. depending on who comes in. But it's kind of – I mean, by firing the coach now, you're almost saying, like – We're not going to get it done. <laughs> well, we're not going to get it done. But they're also saying, like, okay, like, this guy – these guys have our picks for, for the first and second round. We, we don't have a lot of our picks for the coming years. Yeah. Let's do this now. It's like cut the head off the snake now. Try to get something out of this season, even if getting something is eight and eight. So you're not losing top five and top ten picks. You know, do it now and try to reset as fast as possible, knowing that the playoffs probably aren't happening this year. Uh, but you know, it was a long time coming for Bob. Uh, yeah. So I think I think it was a good move. But you know, let's say you know some credit due, right? So he won five division titles. Which is kind of surprising to hear. Like, yeah. he, he coached the team for, I, th- I think last year was his sixth year. So, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. So, he coached for six years, and then this was his seventh year. He won five division titles in those six years. So, like, yeah. that is kind of impressive. But yeah. I think when you look at the context around it and you say, okay, well, he kind of destroyed the roster to get to that point. They could never get over the hump. You right. Know, Really, the only reason they were winning those divisions is because the AFC South was not good for a while, and Deshaun right. Watson was the best quarterback and probably still is the best quarterback in that division. Uh, so I think they looked at that and said, we need to move on. I think it was justified. Hard to argue yeah. that. Yeah, 100% justified. Um, they probably should have did it after he traded DeAndre Hopkins for a bag of chips. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and don't get me wrong, like – I, I like David Johnson, but uh, clearly a player that is past his best. Um, and that's the biggest piece that you got out of that deal. Mm-hmm. Um, and and when you're talking about like running backs are a dime a dozen, um, trading for an old one at that, like, and, and I think David Johnson's like what, 26 to 28, somewhere in that range. Yeah. That's, that's old for a running back. Like, yeah, that's a running back past his prime. Um, especially after how bad he looked the previous year and you gave up your best player for that. Um, so, and, and really your young, not only was he your best player, uh, well, you could argue Deshaun Watson is, I don't know, but you gave, you certainly gave up Deshaun Watson's best right. receiver, a young quarterback in, and someone he clearly had rapport with. You gave up his best receiver. That to me is just the most backwards thing in the world. Um, and, and obviously I think uh, their relationship had a lot to do with that. Um, which is why I think we're seeing the firing here is because this move did not pay off. It didn't, it's not resulting in wins. Um, they're not there. Even if they were to somehow turn this around, I don't see how they make the playoffs. I don't see how, uh, and I don't see how going forward past this year, um, like you said, this gets any better because they're, they don't even really have picks to build around. Um, you don't necessarily want to build your team by free agency in the NFL either. So like to not have those picks and then be relying on like guys that other teams didn't want to keep, you know what I mean? That's, which is kind of how NFL free agency is. It's not really player empowerment. It's guys who didn't get picked, who didn't get re-signed by the teams they were on. Right. So you're kind of 
you're not getting the best of the best in NFL free agency. So you can't really look there to build your roster. Um, so it's just a bleak looking future for a team yeah. that has one of the best young and brightest young stars. You look, you're talking about their future is bleak. And that alone is where you kind of like, and, and you're responsible for that. You got, you absolutely have to go. Yeah. I mean, he fumbled it and it just shows you like, it doesn't like you can ruin these things. Like just because you have the young quarterback does not mean you're guaranteed to have success and be competing. Like they ruined this. And, you know, I think this is going to be a lesson to a lot of teams though, across sports that the, that the coach GM thing doesn't really work. Yeah, definitely. So that wraps up our topics for today's show. Um, Before we sign off, we want to talk about a few things we have going on at the network. Um, we got a new episode of Rain and Bliss coming at you soon. Stay tuned. Um, we're gonna get that. We had a pretty crazy week, um, you yes, know, sir. this week. So uh, their new episode will be coming up uh, soon. Uh, we also have a new article out um, by uh, Mike Burton Moran, who's been uh, writing some interesting political pieces for the website, um, political opinion pieces on the website. Um, and they are very interesting reads. Uh, so I highly recommend them. Um, and, and, and they make you think outside the box. So, um, certainly interesting to, to read those. You can find our merch stores on our website, allinnetwork.net. Um, hoodie season is upon us. Get yourself an all in podcast hoodie or rain and bliss hoodie. Um, you know, I got one on, I got one on the way. Uh, so, you know, make sure you guys go ahead and grab those. Um, Make sure you follow us on social media. You can see them at the bottom of your screen if you're watching on YouTube. Um, if you're listening on audio, Twitter, we're at all underscore in underscore pod. Instagram and Facebook, both all in network. Make sure you follow me and Mike as well. I'm at EL1 underscore coop. Um, and Mike is at king in the mic as well um, to get our hot takes on Twitter uh, and Instagram. Mike, any last words before we sign off for today? Yeah, all that stuff. Turn on notifications so you know when we go live. We're going to be going live all the time now pretty much, uh, yeah. pretty consistently. Um, and and follow us on Twitter and connect us with other podcasts you listen to. You know, yeah. we, we like to have people on and we like to go places. So uh, connect us. We like to do that. So uh, just make sure you're following us on all the socials. Also, I know we don't talk about it much, but there is some really good baseball going on with the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I know it kind of is getting lost with all the football and basketball, but there is a great game going on right now with Oakland and Houston. Uh, so, so we're going to be tuned into that. Hopefully, talking about that pretty soon. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, follow us, guys, and uh, stay connected with us. Allinnetwork.net is the best place to go to find all things All In Network. Yeah. Thank you guys again uh, for tuning in to another episode, episode forty-four of the All In Podcast. Uh, we will see you guys again later this week, and you guys have a great night. Thanks, everyone.